LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the One Ministry Question Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins, and I'm here today with Daniel M. Hello, hello. Well, Todd, it's part two, right? It's part two because <laughs> I started going off after part one. Yeah, last episode that we, uh, what we're referring to is the episode we talked about leadership transitions and, and the importance of creating a culture of transitions. And so we want to, we'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, so we're not going to, we're not going to recap that too much, but once we finished the episode, cause we were getting to the end of our time, uh, I, I, I left, I basically ended the podcast with this thought. So much of this is about your culture and how can you ensure that your culture that you start with your culture and your culture is, is such that it, it welcomes conversations about indispensability and not being indispensable and, and the idea of transitions. And, and as we were, as we ended the episode with that, uh, Todd wanted to continue this conversation, nuancing the different types of culture. So let's, let's pick up from there and continue on our conversation on leadership transitions. Right. Well, I mean, I referenced, uh, I don't know exactly where you want me to go here, but that I did reference, um, Hendricks. Hey, there's three levels of shared ministry. There's, mm-hmm. Dumping, delegating, and developing. Mm-hmm. And I love that because, you know, dumping is what I would say 80% of churches and, and church volunteers positions. That's, that's what happens. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a warm body kind of mentality where sure you care about what the ministry that's being done and all that, but at the end of the day, you've got to fill it. So it's, you know, come one, come all you're not really matching the person with the position yeah. that would be delegating to say, mm-hmm. Oh, this person would be good on doors. They're friendly. They're inviting, they're encouraging, you know, they smile. Um, you wouldn't want me on doors because I look like I'm tired or mad at you all the time. That's my resting odd face. Um, uh, it's bad. Uh, it's just, it's, it's, it's a plague I've suffered with all my life. Um, but the, the thing is, if you match, then match up well and maybe train a little bit, um, on board well, then you're, you've delegated mm. the way to get a development mentality is when you care really more for the person than the position. Uh-huh. And it's not just onboarding well, but it's an ongoing development model. The only way that happens is through culture. Uh-huh. We thought you talked about um, uh, the the whole this whole idea of succession came up, and I mean to be honest, what this is is really it's less about succession and the natural progression and reproduction within the life of a church. Life happens, folks. Uh And so succession happens. People get new jobs or people get sick or people die suddenly or fill in the or people have moral failures or fill in the blank. Uh There is a need and natural uh, a natural thing that happens when you have uh, a succession. So really, to me, this boils down to leadership pipeline. It is about your story of development in your church and how you equip disciples 
this is as much about discipleship as it is development, folks. Uh, How you equip those disciples for the work of the ministry. Second, it is what strategy are you employing? Because you can have a great story and you can preach about it all day long. You can compel the people. But if your poetry and plumbing don't align, you're in trouble. Because a lot of people are all poetry and no plumbing when it comes to this. Then your strategy has to be there. Then your structure and systems have to be crystal clear. And so when I look at levels of shared ministry, if I want to get to that development mentality, I have to make sure that all those pieces are in place and succession will naturally happen. But I can't enable my uh, lay congregation, my my lay congregation, my lay leaders and lay volunteers. I can't uh, empower them to do that if I'm holding on to it or they don't have clarity. So, so clear strategy, they know what to do. Uh, They also know what the structure is and it's the same across the church. And they also know the systems and processes. And we, you know, it's not every siloed ministry has their own way of doing it. It's like, Mm -hmm. this is what a healthy organization looks like. Yeah. So let's talk about this now from two different perspectives, one from the senior leader perspective and one from uh, you're a part of the staff or you're somewhere in the middle of the organization. What would like if, if we're talking about this week, right, or this next month, beginning to move the culture, your culture into more of a developmental one, uh, what are some of your thoughts on how to do that? Right. So, so let's start from the senior leadership perspective or that point of view. Todd, what are some of your thoughts on how senior leaders this week or this month can begin the trek toward a developmental culture? Well, first of all, um, it's shifting your personal mentality and calendar toward that end. Mm. So when we're doing pipeline with people, um, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag here. I usually say, I want you to tell me the 20 ways you spend your time. What are the, uh, Hey, for the next five or 10 minutes, write down the 20 places you spend the most time. And then I sucker punch them and say, make two columns. How much of that is um, doing and how much of it is developing. Now, if you consider yourself a leader, I'm going to make you do three columns. Okay. In fact, I might use this next time I do my plan. Um, I want you to do, uh, I want you to tell me how much are you doing? How much time are you delegating? And how much time are you developing? Mm. Because we've been told a lie that leadership is delegation. Mm. Leadership is not delegation. That is not the highest form of leadership. Highest form of leadership is developing, recognizing that your fruit grows on other people's trees and you need your, your calendar should reflect that. So it starts with you and your calendar. Secondly, then you say, okay, I'm going to put my eye more toward development. How do I make this uh, clear for the person that I'm developing? So I need to establish what framework, what, what framework I'm going to use, what tools are there. Um, I need to be able to explain that to them, what I'm asking them to do. And it should fit on one sheet of paper. Uh, if you've got a visual, that's even better to say, hey, here's what this process looks like. Here are my expectations. And oh, by the way, you're going to be doing this with someone um, 
you know, next year or six months mm-hmm. from now or, or, or whatever are you in? Mm-hmm. Um, because then I've got clarity, I've gotten commitment from them. What happens over the next six months to a year is something beautiful because it's not just they gain competency, they gain confidence. Mm-hmm. That clarity brings those two things together. We get confidence and competence over time as we gain experience in any role. Yeah. But you can really shrink that down, uh, that amount of time down if you're, you're clear up front. Mm-hmm. And you also um, help them understand, you know, hey, here's what the, the expectations are. Here's what the win looks like. Um, and so that they can do that. You give them the tools so that they can do that with somebody else. Uh, that's the, that's the two places that I would say practically first, look at your calendar. Second, um, identify one or two people and then go through the mental process of what are my, what's the strategy I'm going to use? What are, what's the structure of how this is going to be laid out Uh and then what, you know, systems. Now you don't have to be rigid. I I don't, I'm not saying you have to like, be so structured that, you know, life can't happen. Mm-hmm. No, you want to, but you definitely want to be intentional. Yeah. Um, being excellent in your structure and how you do it uh, is not, you know, saying my way or the highway. It's every Tuesday morning at 6 a.m. And here's exactly what we're going to cover no matter what. That's not what we're talking about here. Mm. You get uh, a diminishing return on excellence. Intentionality, you don't get a diminishing return on. So yeah. really focus on being more intentional than anything else. Yeah. So that's that's super helpful. And when you think about it from a, uh, if you're in the middle of the organization or, or you're not a senior level or senior leader staff uh, at your church, then you know what, you can actually do the first step. You can audit your time and you can see how you're spending your time and and how much of your time is doing delegating or developing. So that's, that's helpful. But let's say, let's say Todd, someone does that, right. And, and, and they recognize that the senior leadership of their church isn't one that wants to implement pipeline and talk about structure and systems and all that stuff because they're a, they're a silver bullet church, right? They're kind of going from one conference to another, one idea to another, and just kind of implementing different things or copycat sort of church. So um, yes, as, a, as an individual, you can do that audit and you can make sure that your area is, is running in that way. But, but what advice would you give to that individual to be able to lead upwards if they're not in a culture that wants to do this? I think you can lead up by example. Um, you know, when we think of leading up by example, often we think of it's those that we lead that we're being the example to. You can also lead up in that way. So I would say one of the things that you want to consider is coming in there and saying, Hey, here is, you know, my 90 day plan to do X. What do you think about that? You know, here's what I'm going to implement it, why I'm implementing it without saying, Hey, you're not good at this. You should do this in this way. Mm -hmm. Um, The other piece I would say is, uh, is going ahead and doing that, implementing that in your ministry is super important because once you implement it, um, 
you're going to draw more and more leaders. You're going to have more and more quality leaders that notice what's going on in your area. And you'll naturally start to have some of the best leaders in the church and it will be noticed. Yeah, it's true. And I'm, I am 100% a believer in this. Like it would be, if you implemented this stuff, 18 months, 24 months later, you've got the best leaders in the church. You really do because either they've, you've grown them um, or they've come over to your team because they see the development that's happening there. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I love that. And and actually, um, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about the, the 70, 20, 10 principle uh, that I unpack in no silver bullets where it's like 70% of, uh, your learning is on the job, actually doing it. 20% is through dialogue and, and discussion and seminars and, and such. And 10% is through uh, kind of lecture, teaching, that sort of full-on input. So the reason I bring that up is let's say you are in a culture that doesn't, that doesn't celebrate this. Yet you are personally convicted that, yeah, you know, this is the way I need to lead, that I need to be a developer. And I can't be indispensable for the mission of God and for the kingdom. Yet, yet in the back of your mind, you're like, yeah, but if I make myself, um, if I make myself dispensable because I've, because I've raised up all these other leaders around me, they could just fire me and, and put someone cheaper in. Right. And, and if that's a fear for you, you know what, man, don't let that drive your behavior or you not doing this because if 70% of leadership development is you actually doing it, you being a leader and being in an environment where you are saying, Hey, whether the culture celebrates this or not, I'm going to be about developing and I'm going to be about equipping and you doing that for six months, a year, two years, five years. And let's say you are let go because the culture that you're in is, is, is toxic and that they would let go of someone like that. Hey, you're all the better for it because you've just had five years or that amount of time of, 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 development of yourself and that will transfer and and God will honor that. So, so don't be afraid regardless of what your culture is. So we do hope that this episode has been helpful. Any last thoughts, Todd, before we wrap it up or no, we just I, do a part three. <laughs> uh, no, I, if you're, I don't know anybody that's ever been fired for developing a yeah. stable of yeah. Stallions. Yes, uh, that's right. When it comes to leadership, it, it, it's not going to be, that's not going to happen. If it does, then you are better off and you have to remember who you're working for in the first place and yeah, why you're doing right. what you're doing and the type of leader you want to be, regardless of the organization yeah. you're in. That's so right. you have a unique opportunity to change that from the inside out. Right on. Right on. Well, we do hope that this episode has been helpful. And if you you want to uh, be held accountable on this and there are others that, that if you're just fired up with this and like, yes, I'm going to do this, I got to do this. Uh, the best way to do it is to have other people that, that want to join you in doing this too. So perhaps you want to hit the share button on this episode, share it with a few friends in ministry, maybe people that you went to seminary or Bible school with and uh, keep each other accountable. Have a conversation about this. All right. Well, we thank you again for listening in and we'll catch you next time.